Hey everybody, welcome to Therapy for Humans, the podcast where if you're not careful, you might just pick up some tips on how to survive as a more or less psychologically intact human in the modern world. My name is Rowan, and I'll be your host. What's up, Durango? Well, it's been a while. Sorry. Things happen, man. We've delivered our youngest kid to college. We're empty nesters. It's official. It's weird. Man, we drove to Fort Collins twice in two weeks. It's a long story. I won't get into it, but a long fucking drive, man. Eight hours? Too long. Six hours? Doable. Anyway, got to catch a Red Rock show. We got to see Amos Lee out of Red Rocks. He was unbelievable. One of the best shows I've ever seen. A guy channels some kind of universal kindness, happy vibe thing. Anyway, there's a lot of that at Red Rocks in general, but I think he really knew how to work with it. Anyway, that was fun. So here we are back in the saddle. So I want to talk a little bit about my job today. So when I was in college, I ate a lot of acid. This is relevant to my job now, I promise. Probably it's actually relevant in more ways than I'll get into here today. But anyway, I think all this is coming up for me because I just dropped my kid off at college and I'm wandering around a dorm and that's not something I've done since I moved out of my old college dorm back in 1988. So... Anyway, yeah, I was part of this group of like five or six of us who would taste test new batches of acid that came onto campus to see how it was. So I'm not bragging about this. It was stupid. And there were weeks when I was tripping four or five nights a week. And it's, you know, not really great for the old GPA. Not not even good for the old brain, really, that that much. (laughs) Anyway, um, anyway. In fact, I was actually the only group of friends, the only one of my group of friends that um, ended up coming back for sophomore year. And I arrived sporting an impressive 0.75 GPA. So kids, don't try this at home or a college for that matter. Anyway, on many nights we'd eat some acid, we'd run around campus. Often we'd visit other friends in their dorm rooms. And each room we went into was like completely new world, the lighting, the smells, the music, the number of people in there, the way that they were acting and interacting with us. Some rooms felt great. We stayed for a while, or it felt that way anyway. Other rooms, not a good fit. We left as soon as we could find the door again. So, and then like the hallways were like a whole nother deal, you know, like especially running into drunk people, you know, like late at night on a weekend and I don't know. It's kind of hard to explain if you haven't experienced it. LSD kind of heightened our senses and sped us up and alcohol kind of gets you going in the other direction and is very much two opposite ends of the spectrum. And we definitely had an attitude about drunk people when we were tripping. We thought they were so stupid, but anyway, whatever. It's not relevant to the story. (laughs) It's just strong memory of two very different altered states. Anyway, in the work I do now and in the way that I do it, I really try to enter the world of my clients to see things from their perspective. It's not too far off from those days of walking into dorm rooms and feeling immersed in a new reality with a different perspective each time. It's one of the things that I love about my work and it never really gets old. I mean, it can't possibly really, if I'm always striving to really sink into those new spaces with each person that comes in my door. Uh, Just as a side note, Uh, I never eat acid when I'm seeing with clients or like ever at all anymore. 
Um, you all know that I'm pretty open about smoking weed in my off hours. I had a client the other day tell me that they would be fine with it if I was high in session. <laughs> so I just want to clarify this. I would never, ever show up to sit with a client in any mindset but completely sober. Not only could I lose my license to practice, but it would also just be completely unethical, at least in my book. So no, I'm never high in session, not ever, not once. For those of you who see me in person and are ever wondering, the answer is no. <laughs> anyway, back to our story. So I don't know. Sometimes there are worlds that I don't particularly enjoy hanging out in. I mean, most people don't come to me because everything in their world is all rainbows and unicorns. A lot of my clients are in pain, whether the source is internal or external. It still sucks. That having been said, I learned early on in this work that to be effective, I do need to dive in there with them. And I guess there are a lot of therapists that don't do that. Um, they hold themselves sort of above and separate from their clients. And this works great if your goal is to protect yourself from your client's pain, but it's not great if your goal is to connect and care for your client. Um, I was actually reminded of a joke the other day by a colleague that was in the same internship as me up at Fort Lewis. Um, it was told by the director of the training program at the time, uh, who has since retired. And they have a new training director, uh, also the clinical director, and she's just a fucking rock star as far as I'm concerned. So if you're in grad school and you're looking for an internship, that is the one you want. But anyway, here's a joke. So two therapists are sharing an office suite. And at the end of the day, one of the therapists always looks pretty fresh. Their hair is just so, their clothes are put together. They look pretty much like they did when they arrived at work. The other therapist at the end of the day is just a total wreck. Their hair is messed up. Their glasses are askew. Their clothes are disheveled. They're all, they're just spent. So finally, one day, the second therapist asked the first one, like, how do you look so good after listening to clients all day? The first therapist looks back and says, who listens? Anyway, this might be somewhat of an exaggeration, obviously, but the message is clear here. Getting in there with your clients can take a toll, but I think it's the right way to do it, and I love what I do. So anyway, let's move on. It's back to school time, I think a couple weeks in for most people that have kids in school, maybe even three weeks in now, maybe three weeks in. Anyway, I've been hearing a lot from my clients, especially my couples, um, that back to school time kind of shakes up the routine at home. And really not just at home, but like outside the home, the dreaded pick up and drop off. Who's going to do it? I thought it was you today. No, I have a meeting. I thought you were doing it. Blah, blah, blah. Why is it always me? And away we go. So people, please, for the love of God, get a fucking whiteboard and use it. Put everything on there from household chores to date nights. And yes, you need date nights. Just because you have kids doesn't mean that stops. After all, date nights got you into this mess and date nights will get you out Use the fucking whiteboard. Date nights and whiteboard. Those two things, I promise. If I had an extra dollar for every time I said clarity of expectations in a couple session, I could afford to replace my missing tooth. And it's not just that, you know, so your kid doesn't end up sitting on the curb outside of the school thinking that you don't give a shit about them. It's so that you can both see how much you are both doing. It's busy, it's hard, and it helps to be able to actually get organized around it as well as having a concrete representation that you are both actually doing stuff. How many arguments involve one of you saying, I always do everything around here. You never help. Well, let's go to the board and see what's what. Most of the time, since you put the stuff on the board together and agree that it's fair, that argument falls flat. And then you get to have a real adult conversation using your words about feeling overwhelmed and asking for help 
or switching around some things so that neither of you feels overly burdened. Help each other out. It feels good. Much better than being pissed at the person who shares your bed. When you wake up every day and look at the board and see who's responsible for what, there's no way that that's not going to cut down on a lot of confusion, hurt feelings, and general conflict. So, give it a shot. What's the worst thing that could happen? Anyway, let's move on. Um, you know, I've been contacted a few times in the past few months by either youth or by people in youth's lives who are concerned about them because the kid is gay or bi or trans and the parents are unaccepting of this. And honestly, it's amazing to me that we're still even talking about this on the eve of 2020, but here we are. The idea, the fact, the reality that a parent could disown, kick out of the house, or in some other way disregard their child because of who they are attracted to truly boggles my mind. And you know, contrary to how I may sometimes come across with my heavy level of potty mouth sarcasm, I really do try to find compassion for just about everyone, regardless of their beliefs. In doing that, I try to put myself in their place as much as possible. Often if I can get even a glimmer of where they might be coming from, I can find that little piece of them to love and by extension, some understanding of the place that they're operating from. But this, fuck, this challenges me. I really don't get it. I, I get that in their eyes being gay or bi or trans or whatever is a departure from what they have been taught or have come to believe is acceptable or quote unquote normal. But I feel like there's a lot of real estate between, Hey, I really don't understand this. I really wish you didn't feel this way. It's going to take me some time to process this and you're dead to me. Get out of my house and don't come back until you're ready to denounce your evil ways. I mean, at the end of the day, these are your children, your children. Regardless of your religious beliefs, it's hard for me to understand how turning your back on your own kids is more of a Christian thing to do than trying to understand this in some way and working to somehow find a way through that doesn't involve the dismantling of your family. Anyway, so fun fact, in the state of Colorado, anyone over the age of 12 is entitled to mental health services without parental consent. It used to be 15, but they changed it to 12 just this year. This is very good news for some of these kids who need someone who can support them. I suppose you could say that it's bad news for the parents who would be mightily pissed off if they knew I was telling their kids that it's okay to be queer, but you know what? In that scenario, I would rather have the parents pissed at me than have that kid hang themselves because they don't feel like there's any way through this. And I do wish I was being overly dramatic about that, but I'm really not. It's that big a deal. So... I don't know where I'm going with this other than to say if you're in the life of a queer kid as a teacher, a neighbor, whatever, and you feel like that kid might not be being supported at home, just please reach out to them, pull them aside, slip them a note, do whatever you need to do and let them know that you're a safe person for them to talk to. Um, even if it's just they're having a bad day, it doesn't have to be formal. It doesn't have to be complicated. You don't need any special training. Just let them know that you're there. It could save their lives. Anyway, that was fast today. Sorry to end on such a heavy note, but, you know, sometimes that's how it goes. Um, on another note, in my ongoing quest for podcast content, I'd love to hear from you. What's on your mind? What do you want to hear more about? It doesn't have to be, hi, my name is Joe and I'm having a mental breakdown. It can just be a point of curiosity or frustration or whatever. Talk to me, Colorado. I'm listening. 
feel free to call into our non-threatening voicemail only line at one 844 durango 1-844-387-2646. You can also email me at rowan at therapyforhumanspodcast.com. If you'd like to see me live and in person for therapy, I am accepting new clients. And you can get in touch with me through DurangoPsychotherapy.com. You can also just shoot me a text or give me a call at 970-903-3893. So until next time, take care of yourself and take care of each other.